Hey, welcome back to Uplifted Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Lacey Dunn, registered dietitian, here to help you guys change your lives and take your health back into your own control. Today, I am over the moon excited. I absolutely love my guest. Her name is Dr. Casey Holland, and she is the EBV queen. And I know some of you guys are like, okay, what the heck is EBV? Well, She's here to tell you, and she is so knowledgeable, has so much wisdom, and you guys, I just feel very much honored to have her on. So, Dr. Casey, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Lacey. I'm really looking forward to this opportunity to talk to more people uh, about EBV and help people get their energy to ultimate levels so that they can live their life the way they want to. I love it. So you are the creator of the EBV Bootcamp and the founder of Innate Naturopathic. So Dr. Casey, can you briefly tell me, my listeners, who you are, what you do, and then we'll dive into what is EBV? Absolutely. I am a naturopathic doctor. Um, so we really focus on holistic care and underlying causes and getting to a place where patients feel really confident about their health and maintaining it in the way forward. Um, I started EBV bootcamp because I saw that there was just so much misinformation about Epstein-Barr virus and how to overcome it. I saw people spending thousands of thousands of dollars on treatments that were really complex and they might still not feel better because they were missing foundations and basics that needed to be addressed. And I created that as a resource and a tool for community as well, because most people that you know, finally realize they're dealing with EBV, have really severe fatigue and that interferes with their daily lives and they might feel a lack of community. So that is how that started. And I, I love working with people to help them reclaim their life. I love it. You are very much passionate about what you do, just like I am. And it can, it really shows, especially you guys, you have to follow her on Instagram, by the way, because she is the bomb.com. Um, but seriously, I love that you're so passionate about what you do because that's how you really truly change lives and connect. So let's go over what even is EBV. And you guys, I have a special connection to this because I had it when I was growing up and I'll give a brief backstory after she dives into it. But essentially, what is EBV? Well, I had it growing up too. So I'm sure that we can um, discuss that a lot. So EBV is the virus that commonly is known for causing mono, the kissing disease, full-term mononucleosis, and it's a human herpes virus. So it's really common. Um, you know, herpes is kind of one of those bugs that everybody kind of gets, and you don't know that you really have it unless there was a stressful event or something, and so you have a, a cold sore breakout. You know, that's what people typically think of with the herpes family. And Epstein-Barr virus is similar to that, where it'll hang out in a latent state, and then a stressor, whether that be mental, emotional, or physical, can turn it on. So this virus, it's estimated now that greater than 95% of us have it have it in our body, and it's not going to, it's not like a bacteria where you just kill it and it goes away, um, but we can put it in a latent state where it's not causing problems. Um, currently, actually, there was just a big research study released um, linking it more directly to multiple sclerosis, but it's associated with seven different autoimmune conditions and multiple cancers. The tricky part is that we haven't seen research that actually says 
this is how it does that because like I said, 95% of the population has it in their body. So how do we know if it's just, you know, you have it and you have this disease or it actually was part of this disease progression? Um, so it's getting a lot of attention right now, which is, it's great that we're talking about it more. And this will be a really up-to-date podcast where you guys have kind of a better understanding of it. Um, so that is Epstein-Barr virus in a nutshell. So you had EBV when you were growing up. I had EBV when I was growing up. And I remember not knowing or understanding why. <laughs> I was like, I haven't kissed anybody. I'm like, what? Uh, I was in second, third grade. Um, and I just remember I kept getting it. I was extremely fatigued, so uh, swollen lymph nodes, enlarged spleen, and had a lot of the emotional disturbances, anxiety, stress, and I had a reoccurring strep infection and we couldn't figure out why. And come to find out, I had mono for what, at least six full months as a child. I was held, um, I actually, my entire third, no, second grade, my entire second grade, I was homeschooled because I had EBV. Um, so just interesting little fact, it could be hard to get rid of. Um, but the interesting thing is a lot of us have EBV by the time that we die. And a lot of people don't know that. And they don't even know sometimes that they even had it. So symptoms of EBV, I mean, extreme fatigue, the swollen lymph nodes, sore throat, fever, enlarged spleen or swollen liver, um, the emotional disturbances, and of course, triggers that can come from it. We're talking about autoimmune disease progression. Are there any other symptoms that you see in practice with EBV? Yeah, I always kind of break it up into, is this your first encounter or is this a more, you know, it's reactivated and it's more chronic because in the first encounter, like what you had as a child, like what I had as a child, it's pretty, you know, swollen lymph nodes, possibly swollen spleen, depending on how bad it is, malaise, feeling awful, might have a sore throat, headache, low-grade fever. Whereas if this is something... It, some people will have an exposure to Epstein-Barr virus and be infected and have no symptoms and they don't know it. And then later on, they're like testing positive for a reactivation. The reactivation in it oftentimes is more fatigue and kind of, um, I guess, a deeper fatigue in, in any better sense of saying it. And sometimes I see anxiety and depression or neurological manifestations, insomnia, Sometimes I see things that present like autoimmune type picture, like joint pain. And sometimes we see food sensitivities. There's also some interesting correlations between EBV and SIBO. So we can see gastrointestinal symptoms and all sorts of things. Now, the tricky part is that because so many people have EBV, they will, they will go, oh, I have this symptom of, you know, I, I have a twitch or this or that. It must be the EBV and EBV just gets blamed for everything under the sun. Um, so mm -hmm. typically it is the malaise, the fatigue, possibly swollen lymph nodes, feeling achy. And then I do see quite a bit of the neurological symptoms where you feel really anxious or sometimes depression as well. But I would say that anxiety is more prevalent in what I typically see. So EBV, essentially what you said is you can have that initial infection and then you can have the reoccurring or flare up of the infection later, right? Right. Okay. So when it comes down to 
EBV. I know a lot of people struggle with a chronic EBV, EBV infection. So how does somebody struggle with a chronic infection? So say they had it when they were younger, like me or you, and then they get it, you know, or quote unquote, have it 20 years down the road. Why do they still have it? Yeah, I think it's a really, I think it's something that we're still learning, to be honest, but there's kind of a couple different pictures with EBV and there's actually different strains. So Epstein-Barr virus can infect B cells. Um, it can also infect natural killer cells. And usually when it does that, it's a very extreme case. And so what we typically see are the B cell presentations with chronic fatigue. And when you test for Epstein-Barr virus, there's different antibodies that you look at. You look at the first response, which is IgM. Your your M antibodies are your like mother antibodies, the first ones that pop up. And usually that will be negative if it's a reactivation. And then we look to see if the early antigen for reactivation is positive. Then we also have IgG antibodies, which are your soldier troops that come in later to fight the infection. And usually if you're reactivated or chronically reactivated, those will be positive. Um, but as what we see happen sometimes is the early antigen will be negative. The IgM will be negative. The early antigen usually is positive for, you know, about three to six months at most. And I always say usually with EBV because honestly, sometimes these things just don't, they don't follow the immunology that we've been taught, which is why I say I think we're still learning. But the... The IgGs will be positive, but they'll be like really high, like 100 times upper limit of normal, and the patient is fatigued. And that's typically when I look at chronic reactivated. Whereas if your early antigen is still positive, you might you might be reactivated, but it might be an acute thing where, hey, you you know you had a car accident or a really stressful time, and it and it flared up, and then it'll go down. But some people you know, they they have had those antibodies and felt not good for a really, really long time. And that's when we use the word chronically reactive, but it's tricky because according to, you know, what we see in the textbook, that's a very rare thing that happens. Mm -hmm. And to really diagnose that, we would need to do um, actual like blood smear and look for the antibodies in your tissues. Um, so that term chronic kind of gets thrown around a lot and we use it, but when it comes to actually going down that path, you know, the tests are pretty extensive. So what we typically kind of what I see is chronic fatigue with EBV reactivation or prolonged. So I guess as we see in the research, you know, so much is coming out and I don't think we fully understand how EBV interacts with the immune system and and there's something called molecular mimicry that can happen or interactions with strep where your body is turned on to this infection when it shouldn't be. There's a lot there that we're still learning. Um, but usually pe when people are talking about, hey, I have chronic EBV, they're saying I have these really high titers and I feel awful. And it's very clear that my body is not handling this viral load. Um, and some have actually, you know, gone a step further and had the full workup, but most are in that place where they had the labs drawn and they have really high um, titers and they don't feel good, but, but they don't know why. And it sounds like you go down the same approach that I do and you question why is the body having a hard time 
fighting the virus? What is the load on the body? Whether that's emotional, internal, external stressors, what's going on? Why can the body not keep that EBV at bay? Absolutely. It's always really tricky because sometimes when people come to me, they have come to me out of fear because they are thinking, okay, I have EBV and EBV causes cancer and EBV causes autoimmune disease. So now I'm doomed to have these things. And it's difficult for me because I want to bring awareness that EBV is, you know, something we need to address because of those things. But I also don't want you to latch on to that diagnosis because what we really need to look at is what caused EBV to be in the active or what is known as the lytic state in the, in the scientific realm. And EBV has these proteins that get turned on. So there's something that has to turn that on. And if we look at what turns on that signal, those are things that we have more control of, like environmental toxin exposures, stress. Well, you don't always have control of, you know, certain stress, but things that we can work on. Um, mold is another huge one candida overgrowth, things that are causing higher levels of oxidative stress in the body, which all sorts of things just going through life, that's what ages us, that's that's what part of life is, can cause EBV to turn on. So those are the things that we need to address while we're also addressing the infection. I love that. And you guys, I'm going to reel off. She, Dr. Casey posted, her Instagram is Dr. Casey Holland, and she posted a photo with the 10 things that can cause Epstein-Barr virus to reactivate. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because this is not my list. This is her list. And I'm going to read it out. Mold exposure, Lyme disease, mental slash emotional stress, sleep deprivation. Hello, you guys hear that again. Sleep deprivation, physical stress and trauma, aka don't overtrain, other viruses like COVID or the flu, intestinal permeability, aka leaky gut, which I've talked about a lot on my podcast. Make sure you guys check that out. Heavy metals, parasites, diet high in processed foods. I like to throw in um, 11, any gut dysbiosis, which would cover candida, SIBO, other pathogens. Um, But that was a pretty fantastic list. So I like to say any internal or external stressor can potentially be a trigger. Yeah, that can feel pretty overwhelming when you go through the list of all the things that can cause it. (laughs) I know. It's like, ah, what can not cause an EBV flare-up? But, I mean, the whole goal is to limit the 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 stress load or the toxin load. I mean, the more drops you put into that bucket, that might be a little bit of mold exposure, overtraining, eating a high processed food diet. The more drops you put in, that's when it's going to erupt and cause the flare up or the inability to combat the EBV. Absolutely. The more we burn ourselves down, burn the candle at both ends, stress our bodies out, the more they're not going to be able to fight off infections and feel their very best. So that's what's very important when it comes down to a chronic, quote unquote, chronic EBV case. Now, say somebody has EBV and they're having trouble getting rid of it. What would you say are the first things to look at in regards to an infection? Because I know the first thing that I like to look at. I'm very curious. What's the first thing that you like to look at? You know, it used to be it used to be stress because most people said, I've been so stressed out or this or that. And, and it is kind of the most common thing that conventionally they even acknowledge for EBV reactivation. But I really look at what's in their surroundings right now because I see such a correlation with mold exposure um, 
And it kind of depends on how a patient is presenting. Like if they're really, really fatigued and really high brain fog, then I, I just automatically go through an environmental exposure and make sure that they're not dealing with mold. Um, gut health. So if they're not having regular digestion, regular bowel movements, or there's something that looks like is going on there, then I always address that. And honestly, stress, stress is just always addressed as well. And not just stress of, you know, the last week, but like stress of the last year, last five years, what your life has looked like, what your daily routine has looked like. I mean, have you been working a really intense job for the last five years and things like that? So it kind of depends on how they present. I always say there's different flavors of fatigue and, and EBV and some are very, very much like, okay, mold is most likely involved here. Um, and some are more digestion related and some are more um, mental, emotional with stress related. So those are kind of my top three things that I start with when I, when I look at things. I love that. Stress is so important. Easier said than done. I would say definitely the gut. I mean, we know 50 to 60% of our immune system lies within our gut. And I would say a lot of chronic cases I see H. pylori with. So that's a big factor. And then mold's a big demon. I try not to get the, into the mold rabbit hole because I know for me, I like to jump into that because I know how terrible it is on the body. But yeah, those would be the top things for sure that I look at. I so say... Say somebody has EBV, um, what are the top considerations you could do to help combat it naturally in the body? So while we're looking at, you know, what, what the factor that is causing the problem is, because obviously that's going to be different for each person, where if somebody has H. pylori, we're going to do something different than if they are exposed to mold or if they, you know, just lost a loved one and are going through a stressful event. But with how we address the infection itself, um, there's a couple things I do. I address the inflammatory pathways that we know EBV presses on that can lead to disease progression, like the NF-kappa B pathway and the JAK-STAT pathway. Curcumin interacts um, on behalf of the NF-kappa B pathway really well. Resveratrol is one thing that stops and interacts against the JAK-STAT pathway. And then I pile on antioxidants because we know that EBV turns on with things like oxidative stress. So it's very much, I mean, I don't have, I wish that for every single EBV case, I could check, you know, their glutathione levels and their reverse T3 with their thyroid, all of that, but it's not you know, it's not practical for everybody to run all of those. But usually um, chronic EBV, how we've deemed it, has really high oxidative stress levels. And so I'm just piling on antioxidants with food, um, you know, getting a certain amount of vegetables in each day. And then also, depending on what symptoms are, we'll pick other antioxidants to support Um we, you know, with EBV, it's also really important to support the liver because usually, usually there are some, some toxins or something involved. And even if there's not a lot, it's just that being in your bucket, another drop in the bucket is something that we can remove and support you with to get things better under control more quickly. Um, and then I like to use some people respond really well to antiviral pharmaceuticals like acyclovir and it's, 
it's really amazing the results they can have. Um, and so that might be appropriate for someone. Other people might do really well with IV vitamin C or ozone. And some people might do that and then we can maintain it with natural herbs and supplements, um, things like lemon balm, olive leaf, licorice root are all things that we can use. So there's tons of tools and it kind of depends. Like for example, if somebody is dealing with mold, I'm not going to do as aggressive of killing agents like IV ozone or some of that. I might spend a lot more time boosting their antioxidants up because they're just, their body is dealing with so much that when we kill the bug, it might make them feel worse and they might not do as well. And really that doesn't help us in the moment. So it kind of depends, but there's tons of tools, tons of options, and also just patient preference and needs when it comes to that. But that's kind of how I work. And I like to start from the foundations. Um, so I talked about all the like fancy things first and cause I know that's what everybody thinks, like, what is it? I want to hear about it. But really, we have to start with the foundations and the lowest intervention, which is regular sleep, getting good intake of water so that you can have regular bowel movements, get rid of toxins, and a well-balanced diet where you're getting enough antioxidants and protein in so that you're giving your cells the nutrients that they need that while we're doing this, you can move forward and decreasing stress. So I love using mind-body medicine, breath work. Sometimes people use DNRS. Um, there's all sorts of different ways that we can also help support people where stress is the main trigger. I absolutely love that you focused on the key foundations here. We want to build our home with a solid foundation and diet, proper nutrition, making sure that you're eliminating those endocrine disruptors, optimizing your detox pathways, optimizing your sleep, things that really play a role with your ability to fight off infections and feel your very best. You got to start with those instead of throwing a bunch of like antimicrobials or um, antiviral medications because they won't do anything in the presence of an unhealthy foundation. So I'm so glad you're on the same page. Absolutely. That's one thing that I really emphasize in EBV bootcamp because those are things that everybody needs. And I have seen people do rounds and rounds of IV vitamin C and feel better for a week and spend so much money. And then because they didn't have those foundations there, they go right back to feeling how they did. And, and it's so frustrating for them. Yeah. And I know, I, I know a lot of people that have done like that or the glutathione pushes or ozone therapy, and they never did the proper testing to, to figure out, Hey, am I in a multi environment? Do I have nutrient deficiencies? Do I have a gut infection? And they're wasting their money and concerned and frustrated. Why do I still feel bad? And that's because what's holding you back. You never addressed. You don't know what you don't know. And you can't heal what you didn't find, right? So that's another part of it too, is doing the proper testing that you need to do in order to combat the infection. Absolutely. Now, when it comes down to if there's a situation here, 
of course, that's person by person dependent. You would, you focus on the protocol based on your specific issues because there's many times more than one issue. If there's mold, there's going to be a gut issue, right? But what are your top recommendations when it comes down to natural EBV um, supplements per se? Because I have a kind of like a top three or four that I like to suggest. Yeah, I, I get asked a lot about monolaurin or loracidin. Um, and if it is one of those cases where the person, you know, they they just had a stressful event and it's kind of like an acute reactivation, um, that typically can be beneficial. But if this is something where this is chronic and it's been a really long time, I don't see it make a make a budge in symptoms very much. Um I like to use, and some of these herbs you can use for longer amounts of time than others, um, but I really like using lemon balm, especially if they're anxious, because it just is so soothing, um, an olive leaf, and astragalus, because it supports natural killer cells, as well as having some antiviral properties, and your natural killer cells are what are responding to viruses, and if you have it, you know, it's kind of well known that if you have a long-term, even if it's a low level viral infection, that those natural killer cells might be tired. Um, Andrographis is one that has a lot of properties and it is also combating those pathways that I talked about, like NF Kappa B. Um, so I like, I like that as well. Licorice root is great too. Um, they're, how you take it if you have blood pressure things going on then it might not be a go-to for you um but those are some of the top ones that i use i love it so i love monolaurin olive leaf of lysine and cat's claw those are my top favorites but i really do like vitamin c um astragalus big time and there's a lot of good quote-unquote immune support blends, um, vitamin D, zinc. Those are common. The most important thing is none of these things are going to do the job in the presence of a micronutrient deficiency, in the presence of oxidative stress, poor liver detoxification, mold, gut infections, you name it. So you can, you know, there's always, you can always Google, you know, what dosages help, but just know you need always a practitioner, clinician, somebody walking through that way you're finding the root cause of the activation. You're not just throwing things at it. Yeah, I should add, because I didn't really mention vitamin C or vitamin D, but those are just kind of foundational things that I always check. So I, I check people's vitamin D because it's so involved, um, especially with Epstein-Barr virus. We see it, that low vitamin D combined with Epstein-Barr virus increased risk for multiple sclerosis as well. Um, and vitamin C, it helps recycle your glutathione, which helps combat oxidative stress. So that's something that we just have to have there no matter what. Um, and another one is if you are somebody, so there's a big link between EBV and Hashimoto's. So if you're somebody that's dealing with that, then we really want to make sure you have selenium in there as well. The selenium can have antiviral properties and it can also help support keeping those antibodies at bay with your thyroid. So those are kind of three things I was thinking more like herbs related, but those three things, vitamin D, vitamin C, selenium, making sure you have enough zinc, things like that are just basic foundations of your immune system that have to be on board as well. 
Yes, I'm so glad you mentioned those. And then vitamin A, of course, too. That always plays a big role, too. So, you guys, that means <laughs> that you've got to make sure you're optimizing your nutritional status, getting your leafy greens, your berries, your cruciferous vegetables, your healthy fats, your healthy proteins. Diet is huge. I'm a dietitian. That's what I can focus on. So <laughs> we want to make sure that we're optimizing our diet and balancing our blood sugar, too. I know that's something that's, like, forgotten for a lot of people, but how your blood sugar changes throughout the day, drops and spikes, that plays a big role with your cortisol levels. And cortisol plays a big role with combating inflammation and infection. Of course, there's more to that story, but please make sure you're balancing your blood sugar. Don't skip meals. Don't just have a carbohydrate like some cereal or some chips. Pair them. There should always be a protein with a fat, protein with a carb, carb with a fat, carb with a protein, Pair them, smart snacks. You guys know that's my favorite thing to talk about, smart snacks. So make sure that you're balancing your blood sugar, taking care of yourself, being kind to your body. Yes, incredibly important with EBV because when we're trying to make your environment not stressful, right? Um, if you are skipping meals or not getting enough protein and your blood sugar is going up and down all day, when your blood sugar crashes, you know, you your body doesn't know the difference between you just forgot to eat a meal or there's something danger ahead. So it elicits a stress response, which we do not want that to be happening with EBV. Another thing is avoiding sugar because when you eat refined sugar and you have that huge spike in sugar, you're going to also have it come down and that can also cause a problem with the stress response. So those are definitely very important when we look at EBV. Very important. And that's the added sugar will sneak into things, anything and everything from yogurts to drinks and sauces to even a little bit of coffee creamers that might look healthy, but they have added sugar. So make sure you guys are looking at your ingredients. Very important there. Now, is there anything in particular in regards to EBV that you would like to indicate for my listeners to point out for potential signs of reactivation? Yeah, I mean, I think um, like one thing that I really see people talk about is, you know, they felt more irritable or noticed their anxiety really increased at kind of early, early on. And then, of course, fatigue, malaise. Sometimes when it's first reactivating, you might feel kind of just like you have the flu or have a really low grade fever or malaise, maybe a sore throat or some swollen lymph nodes. So those are all kind of key things um, to, the, to think about with that. But I think part of overcoming EBV too is just being really in tune with your body and knowing, okay, this is too much for me right now, or now I'm at a point where I can do this. Um, because what I see happen, especially with you ladies, is you are a superwoman and you do all the things and you do everything and you have gotten to a point where you just push through everything and we say we're just tired or we're just this or we're just that and we don't even realize that no you're not just tired you've been saying that for the last year and we're beyond being just tired and so part of it is really just listening to your body and saying is this actually something where i you know i just had a busy week or something or is something off and i'm so glad you said that I'm going to pause you because I want to go back and I want to repeat what you said. 
if you are constantly doing everything, go, 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 busy. I get it. Some people are moms. They've got to do a bunch of stuff and you're superhumans. You're awesome. But don't jump into the EBV deep end if you're not taking care of yourself first. If you're, you know, just pouring into others and not pouring into yourself, you're going to be tired. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hate saying that so much, but it's so true. It's so true. And you will hold your back, you hold yourself back from feeling your best and ever healing any type of situation if you're doing that. Yeah. And, you know, if you start, say, say you do have EBV, but you're still in that phase and then you do start working on it, you know, you have to make the time to do like self-care things and take your supplements and, and change things. So it really comes full circle with lifestyle and self-care, which based on our busy society and how our world operates can be a really tricky transition for people. Yeah. We're not taught to do that at all. We're taught to get through the day. And as women, unfortunately, we are taught to, hey, we're supposed to get everything done. We're supposed to do the dishes and the cleaning and the cooking and do it all. That's just because we're women and we don't have to do it. We don't have to do it all. There's going to have to be a give. We've got to take care of ourselves too. Can't pour out of an empty cup. You sure can't. So in regards to the, I know you mentioned some of the, the result markers. So you mentioned the IgG, the IgM, the um, EBNA. There's a lot of different ones that I have actually included in my book, you guys, The Women's Guide to Hormonal Harmony. I have a section on Epstein-Barr virus for you. But um, I would just like to say, if you ever do a full panel, just make sure it's got the main ones. You've got your four, your VCA, IgM, your IgG, um, your EAD, IgG, and then your EBNA, IgG. Just make sure you have a doctor on board who is helping to interpret these results and don't go off interpreting it yourself. Yeah, and I get a lot of questions about what about the PCR and PCR can be useful for, especially in progression, like looking to see if we've come down or whatnot, but usually I don't use that as a standalone. And the four that Lacey listed there are, are what I, what I want in a, in a panel. And if you guys ever want to order yourself, you typically don't need to because your doctor will pull it, but you can always order yourself on something like my med lab or Ulta lab tests. They are fantastic as well. So just so people know there are options or any lab test now, there are options for ordering your own labs. Yes, we have come a long way with technology. <laughs> Thank <and> goodness. <laughs> yeah. Now, Dr. Casey, I am just so thankful for this awesome conversation. And I hope you guys have learned a bunch. Where can my listeners find you, follow you, as well as work with you? Yeah, I, um, you can find me at www.drcaseyholland.com and that is where you can get on like my email list. And usually once per month, I have a webinar that I do, um, on EBV. If you, you know, want kind of, if you're just getting to understand EBV and stuff, um, that's a great start. Um, we also have EBV bootcamp, which takes place every few months, um, and that is a community where, you know, you can really dive in and we have live Q&As with me so I can kind of talk to you directly about 
things that we mean, may need to focus on to help you. Um, and I'm kind of most active on social media on Instagram, and, and that's at Dr. Casey Holland. I, I post a lot there. Um, but those are the ways to to follow me right now. And you can, if you have a question about services or whatnot, you can email support at drcaseyholland.com. We also on my website have a place where you can apply for a discovery call. So I always start uh, with a discovery call with people so that, you know, if you're like, okay, is this me? Do I need to be concerned about that? Um, we we always start there. So that's how you can get a hold of me. Awesome. You guys, thank you so much for coming on and listening to this podcast. Thank you, Dr. Casey, for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Please review this podcast. Check out my book, The Woman's Guide to Hormonal Harmony, and get ready for awesomeness. I know I have been very much focused on other things. You guys, I have been working hard on my new supplement line, Nourish Well Nutrition. So that's why these podcasts have been a little bit delayed. I apologize for that, but thanks for listening. More is coming your way and Hope you guys have a great day.